Welcome to this episode of Marine Band Offstage. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Joe Cradler. Our topic for today is a familiar one for playing musicians. Auditions are constantly a part of our lives, from ensemble placement in high school and college to professional auditions. Every musician finds their own unique ways to deal with these challenging situations. This episode, we have a panel of three musicians to discuss the tools they use to win their current positions with the Marine Band. We hope sharing their stories will help musicians of all types to overcome the pressure of performing for a committee behind the curtain. I'm Staff Sergeant Tim Heisinger, and I play the French horn. I'm Staff Sergeant Sarah Matayoshi, and I play the violin. And I'm Gunnery Sergeant Patrick Morgan, Principal Clarinet. A musician's first audition can seem daunting. The nerves and fear of the unknown can be overwhelming and discouraging, but they are a vital part of our journeys as musicians. The first audition that I ever took, which is actually kind of funny when I think back on it, um, it was the summer after my freshman year at Indiana, so I was 18 or 19 years old. And there was an opening in the Chicago Symphony, and I was living at home with my parents for the summer, and it was free and convenient, and I just sort of decided on my own, I kind of want to see what it's like to try to work up a professional audition list. I wasn't delusional in thinking that I had any chance of actually winning the job, but um, I decided to take that audition, and it actually was a really good experience. I took a lesson with one of the horn players in the section beforehand, And he recognized my playing during the audition and actually gave me some really great um, feedback afterwards that was very encouraging. And he told me, you know, I had a lot of potential. So it was actually a really good experience for a first audition. My first audition was with the Buffalo Philharmonic. Uh, They had a section violin position open and I was in grad school and I still hadn't taken a full-time audition. And I thought it was time to give it a go. To my own surprise, I made it to finals of that audition, and I had gone to it not really expecting to advance. Actually, after the first round, I remember thinking that there's no way I was going to advance. I was going to be cut. Um, So when they called my number, I was very excited. And I went to the next round uh, with the excitement still in my system, And then when I went to the finals, my brain all of a sudden thought, oh, I could actually win this, huh? And then my brain started playing tricks on me, and I experienced what we call performance anxiety for that round. Uh, But it was still because I had advanced, it gave me a lot of confidence to keep going, and I learned a lot. I will talk about this more soon, but I learned a lot on my path of audition experience. There is a recurring debate among musicians on whether or not you should record your live audition. Is it beneficial or a hindrance? In an audition, I don't think I ever recorded myself. I recorded myself in my own practice um, in preparing for auditions, and I think that's very useful and very humbling because a lot of times you will just hear things that you did not realize that you were doing as you were playing. Um, I never brought in a recording device to record myself live in an audition. I did bring a recording device into multiple auditions, and it was incredibly helpful. For this very particular audition, I brought my phone in. It was tucked in my back pocket. I had hit record, and I played, I forget how many excerpts, but it was A Midsummer's Night Dream, the scherzo. And I, in the moment, I thought I had made a terrible slip-up, 
And then because I had that thought, it, then it, it just it became a train wreck. It, it, um, things started to fall apart, fall apart, fall apart. And so then when I went back afterwards and listened to the recording, I realized, because I still remembered that moment where I thought I did something terrible, I realized it was barely anything. It was like, I don't know, uh, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second. Uh, something was a little bit uneven, and that was it. But because I had that thought, uh, then it, the train wreck began. And that lesson was so helpful for me. Um, and just knowing that my thoughts aren't always true when I'm in the audition setting. So it helped me later on uh, to dismiss those thoughts and to just keep going with my intention of expressing the excerpt the way I wanted to express it. What I tell prospective uh, auditionees all the time is that um, when you're practicing, and, and this is why I brought up the recording thing, I tell the students, when you're practicing, that's the time for being analytical. That is the time for being hard on yourself and, and listening and adjusting to things on the fly and trying to figure out how to make everything work. But an audition is not like that. I don't think you should have you know, the critical part of your brain engaged that you do when you practice because an audition is absolutely a performance. Um, and I think, you know, I think for some people, perhaps bringing a recording device into the audition would be helpful, um, a helpful way to turn off, to safely turn off that part of your brain so you know that you're going to have a record of it, whether you remember or not. Um, but uh, I think the most important thing is to think of auditions as completely separate from your practice. I totally agree. And I think sometimes it can depend on where you are in your evolution as a musician. If you are, if it's one of the first auditions that you've taken, that you are taking, um, sometimes it probably can be beneficial to record yourself. But if you are really serious about this is an audition for a job that I intend to like to win, hopefully, um, you might be right that like you don't want to you want to think about the music and focus on you know, performing for, for your audience, which is the committee in this case, um, and not be overanalyzing and overthinking about technical aspects of your playing necessarily. Yeah, sometimes I feel like bringing a recording device in there is playing to lose. Possibly. I, I, I was definitely in a learning stage of my audition taking at that point. For my audition preparation, I really needed to practice performing that was really important for me, especially something like two weeks leading up to the audition. I tried to play for someone every day, whether it was a spouse, a neighbor, a friend, um, anyone I could get to listen to me. And it was actually really helpful to play for all kinds of people, people who had musical knowledge, people who didn't have any musical knowledge, because I had to convey a story to whoever it was I was playing for. So in some ways, it was actually more helpful to play for people who had no context for the excerpts uh, because I had to convince them that this music, well, I didn't have to, but it was my mission to express the excerpts in a way that could touch anyone. That's really interesting. And I think I, I also had a similar method. That was always, I could talk more about my, my preparation from beginning to end, but the last part of the preparation, once I, you know, was very... I, I really knew how I wanted each excerpt to sound. Then the last part of the process was literally just practicing performing because it's relatively easy to 
sound good and feel good about how you sound in the practice room playing the excerpts, but that's very different than walking into a silent room, sitting in a chair, and playing the excerpts the way you want them to sound the first time. And that is something that I also did every single day for whoever I could get to listen. And sometimes if you know I couldn't find someone to listen, I would just put a, a recorder uh, on a stand. Or sometimes you can even just put like a an inanimate object across the room and be like, that's the committee. Just having that visual of like, this is a real performance and that's the person or the thing or the recording device that's listening to me makes it real. And um, literally going through those motions of, of practicing, performing makes it so that hopefully by the time you get to the actual audition, it's just another day. It's like your routine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat the same breakfast and get up at the same time and do the same warm up and perform these excerpts the same way that I've done every day in the days and weeks, you know, leading up to the audition. And for me, just to add, that's completely true for me too. And the other thing I would add to that is, so on the day of, and you, you basically already said this, but I, I had to remind myself of it is that I don't have to do anything extra. I can just do what I've been doing. And I think before I had that understanding in audition settings, I always thought I had to do more in the performance. And I think that was really hindering my audition experience. Uh, and when I was able to let go of that and just go in and say, okay, I can just be me. I can, I've been doing, I can continue to do what I've been doing. Uh, that was very freeing. Yeah, absolutely. And focusing on the things that you can control and even things to like, like, where am I going to stay? How am I going to get to the audition? Like, what time am I going to leave? What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? Like all of those little details that can creep into the back of your mind when it's the day of an audition and you're like, did I really like, did I set myself up for success? Um, like make all those decisions ahead of time, commit to them. And then it just gives you that much more confidence in like, okay, I've done what I need to do to play my best. And if I can play my best, then, you know, it's, it's up to the committee whether or not I'm a good fit for them. It's like, if I set myself up to perform the way that I know how to play, then, you know, it's up to them whether or not I'm a good fit for this organization. No two ensembles are alike, and musicians can sometimes be tempted into emulating that ensemble style. Could this improve our favor with the panel, or should we play true to our own style? That is a very good question, Joe. And I, I know many horn players who will think about the, the specific sound concept or the type, of a, the type of equipment, the type of instruments that a section plays on. And for me, I want to feel... Like I can play by myself and I'm not trying to, uh, to be someone else, you know? It, uh, so my goal is to play as well as I can play and show them what I bring to the table musically. And, and then if it's not a good fit, then I can go home and sleep at night and know that I, you know, I still believe in, in what I'm doing and in, in my preparation and in my own playing and I will say it takes some experience and some successes in, in audition and hopefully, hopefully at least advancing in some auditions to gain that level of confidence. Um, but hopefully you can get to a point where 
you know, I want to work in a place where they want me to play like I want to play. So I, I don't want to, um, yeah, try to play in a way that I'm not convinced is, is true to myself. It's doing your, it's doing your best as opposed to doing your thing. You're, you're thinking about what someone else's best for you vis-a-vis something like it's just, it's too complicated. And in addition to that, like you mentioned, Tim, uh, if you do win that job, that's how they expect you to play. If it's wildly different from what you were used to doing, it's not going to work out well. That doesn't work for me. I, I need to play uh, the way that I feel uh, most comfortable, the way that I feel I can best bring the music to life. I can't copy what I think someone will like. And it doesn't work for me even to start thinking like if, if start, as soon as I start thinking about what the person wants from me or what the person will like then I start diminishing myself and that is reflected in my playing. Yeah, that's very good. I mean, from, from the, so I, um, I have been uh, on the clarinet committee for uh, the Marine Band um, auditions for uh, 13 or 14 auditions over the past 10 years. And I've heard, I think I've heard over a thousand candidates. Um, and the thing that that I one of the things that there's probably a lot of misconceptions that auditionees have about what's going on behind the curtain, but uh, one of them for sure is that we're looking for a specific style or a specific type of player. Um, for me, and I think you know my, my colleagues on the on the committees will will agree with this. We're just looking for the best player. We're not looking for the best player that has this sort of sound or the best player that can do this particular skill really well. Um, you know, we have 75 people and we want to hire. The best one we want to pick we want to pick them good um so there's there's no like i think in most cases and, and definitely in my experience um there isn't there's a bar that the committee is looking for someone to be above um but there isn't a there's not a mold aside from warming up on their instruments there are other strategies to prepare for the stresses of audition day this is a trick that I learned very late in my audition prep, but this really helped me, um, at least me personally, in relaxing and being myself in my audition experiences. And that was to create a playlist of music that was really fun and completely unrelated to my audition. And I would listen to the playlist uh, at many different points during the warm-up period. And if I was in my own practice room, I would even sing and dance to my playlist. And it was incredibly helpful because if I was doing this right up to the point that I went in the room, I was so happy. I was in the best mood. (laughs) And the first time I did this, I was really confused when I went into the room because I was like, wait, I'm in an audition, huh? Um, But it was great to be in that space and not um, spend the whole hour or hours leading up to that time being caught up in uh, thinking, overthinking the excerpts. It is really cool, Sarah. Like we didn't talk about any of this ahead of time, but how much um, how much we have in common in the way that we prepared for and approached like preparing and the actual audition day. Because I also had like a playlist of of music on my phone that when I had downtime throughout the day in the audition, because you like you you will always have some downtime in an, in an audition. And I had like a list of music that was not anything related to what was on the list or horn playing, but it was stuff that like kept me musically engaged and inspired and kind of like just flowing or whatever. Um, 
and it gave me something to to keep my brain sort of musically engaged and going but not getting not thinking too hard about you know the music that i was going to play i'm exactly the same way guys when i um won my uh, marine band job when they came to get me to play in the final round i was playing the piano in the practice room um you know, I, I'd already picked out a read. I knew what I was going to play. I either knew the list or didn't at that point. So, you know, anything you can get to, to relax yourself is great. Also, I um, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to, to be a tour soloist one year. Uh, so I, I got to play the Rossini Variations 10 times in 10 different cities. It was a really great experience. And I hereby certify that every single time I played that piece, I had listened to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen on the bus on the way to the hall. Stuff like that can really put you in a good frame of mind and a good mood. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's, you know, anything that puts you in a better mood that, that makes you want to share music with people is, is A-OK. That's awesome. Every audition list contains a variety of excerpts designed to challenge the player's technical facility. Preparing these excerpts can be a challenge on their own. I will say, as, as someone who, like all of us, won a position here, um, when I saw the list for the Marine Band, there were a couple, at least a couple excerpts on the list for my audition that when I saw them, I was like, like, I, I, I don't know if I used the term deal breaker, but I thought in my, in my brain, like these might be my Achilles heel. I would just play that excerpt as, as best as I could, as smooth as I could with as much flowing air as I could at the end of my warm up every single day. And, and magically it got it, it just got easier. It got much, much easier to the point where by the end of the, pr- the, the preparation process, I felt like that was one of my stronger excerpts. I'd like to add on to that too. Working on the stuff that's the hardest, and this is kind of the opposite of what you said, but it's like, it doesn't have to be working on that excerpt. You can, you can, play, you can play Happy Birthday down low, really legato to work on that. Um, and I feel like that, uh, you know, practicing other things that get at the deal breaker, not just the excerpt, uh, is, is really helpful advice because I see a lot of students that are just like, the Mendelssohn is really hard. So obviously I need to practice the Mendelssohn scherzo, um, you know, for two hours a day or whatever. And that's not, that's not helpful after, after the first 20 minutes, maybe. So uh, finding ways to keep your brain interested by doing other things that hit at the same deal breaker is a way to be able to work on it more. Yes, and to stay engaged with the excerpts too, um, doing different things with the excerpts, listening to different recordings, playing with recordings, uh, talking to people about, you know, talking to people who play your instrument, who play the excerpts and hearing their opinions on how they approached it um, can really keep things fresh as well. Because <laughs> like Pat said, playing an excerpt for two hours is not, I don't, see how that can be helpful for anyone. Nerves are often a factor in auditions. Learning to deal with them is key to performing your best. I can say from the committee standpoint, at least from my standpoint on a committee, um, if somebody sounds nervous, but they have tons of potential, that's fine. I don't, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, like if, if, if I hear some things that, you know, they'll play, they'll play a few things really well. And this kind of happens. I feel like you either get more comfortable or more nervous. Never, ne- it's never static uh, during your round, uh, during people's rounds. So from the committee standpoint, if I hear someone make one mistake and then make a few right after it and then kind of pull themselves back together, I don't care because we can hear them again. Um, so I, I think just knowing that like, 
or at least hoping that that the committee is as friendly as I'm claiming to be, <laughs> is a helpful thing. You know, they want you to succeed. And if you don't, or if you sound nervous, or if you have a little bit of a tone shake on one thing that came from nerves, you know, trust that they're like, ah, this is a tough situation. Everything else was great. Let's give them another shot. And we've talked about this in sort of a roundabout way, but just to put it, to put a finer point on it, the best um, solution to nerves that I have found is to be over-prepared, be as absolutely prepared as humanly possible. And that can help eliminate, you know, the symptoms of nervousness while you're playing, as well as many of the, many of the other things that we talked about. And in terms of like the actual feeling of, of nerves and uh, it is something that I think we all experience and it's about knowing yourself, having that experience, knowing that it's okay to be nervous because being nervous really just means that you care and believing in, in my own preparation and knowing that when I get nervous, you know, sometimes like I have a little bit of, you know, stomach distress the morning of an audition and just giving myself, you know, plenty of time beforehand and drinking lots of water and eating a good breakfast. Just knowing that ahead of time and being prepared for it can help alleviate it a little bit. You can't really eliminate nerves 100%. But like I said, like being nervous is a good thing in a sense. It means that you care and you care about, you know, what you're playing and you care about the audience that's listening. And I feel like acknowledging that it's okay to be nervous too, especially with something. I mean, if you if you have a job and you're doing, you know, and you're you're sitting with the same people, you have the same playing job every week year round. Um, that's easy to get used to in many ways. I still get nervous sometimes, of course, we all do. But but if if that's your if that's your musical experience, it's fine. But if you're taking two auditions a year, three auditions a year, maybe for violinists it's different, but clarinet players don't get that many. I mean, if you're taking two or three auditions a year, it's impossible to get used to that scenario. So as many different musical scenarios you can put yourself in, chamber music especially, uh, is most like auditioning, I think, in terms of how it feels. You feel a little, I feel so comfortable in a large ensemble, um, but it feels a little bit different in a different scenario that you're not as used to. So just being comfortable with the fact that it's okay to be nervous. Everybody else is too. Nobody's really experiencing auditions because even if you've taken 30, that's been over the course of so many years because there aren't that many. So it's okay. Yeah, I did a lot of, um, just to add to that, I I think those are all really great points. Um, I also did a lot of mind-body practices um, in my audition preparation. I studied Alexander Technique and yoga and meditation, and those all helped. I really think going back to um, what we already talked about, working with thoughts and our intentions really was the big key in um, letting myself be who I was when I would go into the audition room. But um, all of those techniques were also I think they played their roles in my preparation uh, well especially my preparation um, which all plays a role in how you do when you get to the day. Failure is an inevitable part of being a musician. It's how we learn to deal with these failures that can determine our future success. So how do our panelists deal with these emotions? Sometimes very badly. <laughs> I feel like it depends on the manner of your defeat, <laughs> because because there are you know the 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 easiest thing to do in in from my perspective is to play really great and not advance. You're like, well, they didn't want they didn't want me, um, but that's all I can control. If I played well, I'm happy. It's not about the result; it's about your performance. Yeah, I definitely think it matters the the way that you 
that you um, didn't advance in the audition, if you feel like, and I was just kind of like looking back through this, I, I printed off the, the log of auditions that I kept when I was taking auditions. And many of them in terms of why I did not advance are very simple. It's like, I just, I, I wasn't prepared enough or I just missed the note that you just can't miss in, in the first round of an audition. And sometimes that happens. Um, but then most of the time when I felt good about my preparation and how I played in the audition, I usually, those, those were the auditions in which I advanced. So it sounds like you're, you're able, like one of the preparation things is being honest with yourself. Um, and whether you can do that through a recording device or through taking notes, um, you know, being honest about like, did I really play well? Or, you know, and, and also acknowledging, I don't mean to step on your toes, but acknowledging that like sometimes you don't know. I've had experiences on both ends where I've played well and, or I thought I played well. There's one audition I can think of in particular where I was in the finals and I thought I had played well and they did not pick me. And I was a disaster um, after that. And then uh, I've had the experience where I haven't advanced. I had a string of auditions where I didn't advance at all. They were kind of all in a row. And I was devastated after each one of them. And I also did not feel like I could bring my best to any of those auditions. I was just in a funk, um, mostly mentally, where I had not figured out how to work with my mind yet. In, a, in the audition setting and um, it was really demoralizing and I wish I had not used that as um, a reflection of myself as a musician but at the time I think part of the reason why I took it so hard was because I was thinking that this was a reflection of who I am and who I am as a musician and really it was just a stage in my audition development that I had to go through in order to learn We hope you enjoyed this episode of Marine Band Offstage. We'd like to give a special thanks to the panelists who contributed their thoughts. This episode was written and produced by Gunnery Sergeant Patrick Morgan and edited by Staff Sergeants Joe Cradler and Connor Mikula. Recorded in John Philip Souza Band Hall at Marine Barracks, Washington, D.C.